Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Raja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. And if you're not already, become a subscriber at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. As always, we got Ishmael Johnson. Ish, how you doing? Doing good, man, but I, I'm, I'm really, I'm really sad. I'm really, yesterday made me really oh, yeah? sad. Why is that? Watching games made me really sad. Because I just, I saw a terrible performance at the Cotton Bowl and a disgraceful display after the game <laughs> with, with the entire Longhorn team just going into the locker room and not standing and singing the eyes of Texas. I am disgusted. I am heartbroken. I'm a 45-year-old man <laughs> on Twitter very angry. Well, I, I think that what we've learned for absolute certain is that, uh, you know, the only way that you can win football games is by loving your team the most. Um, and that is why, obviously, Kellen Mond won yesterday and Sam Ellinger did not. So, uh, right. Right. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> No, so <laughs> all right. So let, let's talk about the game, please. Let's yeah, do it. Well, well, just real quick. I mean, let, let's just say, you yeah. know, um, we knew coming into the year that this was going to be a thing. This was going to be a storyline. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I promise you, the reason that Texas is struggling and the reason that you know that they're not on the same page and they're not playing well is not <laughs> because they don't want to sing the song together. Like, I promise, it's not right. Like. Kellen Mond was literally this summer asking to tear down statues, and he's over here diming against Florida. Right, like, calm down. Right. I mean, like, they're t- at Ole Miss. You know, Ole Miss goes and, you know, takes Alabama all the way. And, like, yeah, a lot of people on that team had some things to say about the flag in Mississippi and, you know, like, right. uh, the name the Rebels and, you know, their name the Sharks, the Land Sharks now or whatever, you know, to themselves. Like, you know, we, we just, it's not that serious. You know, it, it's just not. Right. Um, but anyway. It's not the reason why your offensive line can't block. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> without further ado, without further ado, let's get into the game. So um, so we have 11 teams this week. Finally, Houston enters the poll. We'll obviously get to them. Uh, spoiler alert, it's going to be closer to the top than the bottom. Um, <laughs> but let's start with the same team at number 11. Number 11, the North Texas Mean Green. Uh, they lost 49-21 to Charlotte. And... Really, my, my lasting takeaway from this game, and honestly this season, is mm-hmm. I don't understand. Like, don't get me wrong. Mason Fine, incredible. Like, that's that's a big part of why they were as good as they were early in their tenure. And, you know, they've definitely missed Graham Harrell, uh, I, I think is obvious. But why was this team able to turn, like, bottom 20 recruiting classes into nine-win seasons, and now they've got like, top-line Conference USA recruiting classes, and they, I mean, I'm not going to say that they're, like, the worst team in America, but, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like we have to start having that conversation. Sure. I, th- I mean, part of it is, I mean, part of it, the obvious one's part of its player development, sure. um, but also, like, part of it is uh, how much of those recruits from the previous staff were just underdeveloped. Right. And it was like maybe there was something there with some of those guys that you know that they weren't hitting, um, because I'm trying to think. I'm pretty sure I want to say Charlotte. I'm looking at their yeah Charlotte. I mean they scored 49. Charlotte yeah. did, and they almost. I mean they almost eclipsed their season total through yes. two games in yes. one game. Like it, it's ridiculous. They this is a team that wasn't hitting on any cylinders really. Uh, I mean they played two good teams, you know App State and Florida, uh, FAU, but they weren't firing. You know, they weren't firing on all cylinders or anything, and then they play North Texas, and then they just do. Right. And and I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, it, it's there's a lot of questions right now. Most of them are on the defense, um, defensive side. Um, Austin Ani played fine. Yeah. Um, Jalen Darden They ran great. the ball fine. Yeah, Jalen Darden's awesome. Like, Jalen Darden is that is their bright spot. Right. I mean, I guess Austin Ani for a certain extent, too. They do have a quarterback. They, right. You know, that that's I think that, that discussion's over. But um, even defensively, like, last year they were good defensively. The year before they were bad, but they weren't as bad. Like, you know, the defense has taken a major step back from 
especially last year, but, you know, they had a lot of seniors, um, or I guess the season before, I guess they had a lot of seniors on that defense, um, and when they were really good, and it's just been an absolute cascade down. Right. I don't know. It's just, it's just confusing to me. That, that's really the thing that, that I take away from this, is that I'm just confused. Because like you said, I mean, I think right. that they have a good enough quarterback. He's not, he's not Mason Fine. He's not great. Like, I'm not going to pretend that he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it feels like the rest of the team should be more developed. Like, I like their linebackers quite a bit. Um, you know, I like Dion Noville, even though the rest of that uh, defensive line isn't especially special. But it's just every week, man. It, it's just been week after week after week. They just play against these teams and look overmatched. Because, like, again, Charlotte's not one of the better teams that they're going to play this year. You know, to go down 28-7 to Charlotte, I mean, that's... Because, again, you've played Charlotte and Southern Miss right now in conference play, and both times you've just looked like you don't belong on the field with them, right? And Southern Miss right. playing with an interim coach, they hadn't won a game up until that point, and they go up 17-3 against Charlotte. You know, they go up 28-7. Like, what is this? This is kind of, I mean, this is garbage. Like, I don't know what to expect from this mm-hmm. team. And, and, look, we're going to figure out real quick whether this is like a – not very good team or like a oh boy this is a bad team because they play middle tennessee next week and then they play utep on halloween so it's gonna and i mean look i tony heads are rolling yeah. i don't care how good utep is or isn't yeah. heads are rolling if you lose to Luke yeah. utep yeah and like then you look through the rest of the schedule like louisiana tech that's not an easy game at uab is a loss mm-hmm. uh you know we'll see whether rice is playing football at that point but then uh at utsa that looks like a really tough game you know so like Mm-hmm. <sighs> boy i don't know i don't know it's just <laughs> i it's hard for me to conceptualize because it feels like so many of the inputs have gone right uh with this program yeah. you know they got the facilities they got i mean i i just think that like i'm i don't know if you can tell from just the way that i'm handling this but but like i'm spiraling a little bit with this team because it's just so confusing <laughs> to me but sure. um you know, they, again, I think it's it's soul searching time. I, I'd have to say for North Texas because this is, I mean, two straight years of of below five hundred records. That that's going to be really tough to to deal with. So, and, and they're lucky they they got the Houston game canceled because my God, that was... <laughs> oh, <laughs> my man. God, they would have scored zero points. But uh, moving on, number ten, we got Texas Tech. Uh, okay, so is <sighs> so is this it for Alan Bowman? Cause that was a disaster. That was a total disaster. That was that was really bad. Um, yeah, I, I I think it is. Yeah. I don't know. Like the offense wasn't moving the ball. Um, it looked just bleh. Like I don't know. Like it was. It was just like I, I turned. I saw the. I think I saw the game at the box score. I didn't see the game till half. Till after the yeah. half, and I turned over and I. Well, that's the thing. Like, I looked at the box score and I was like, "Oh, this is close. Let me go check." I was gonna turn the game over to the to the to watch, and then I was like, "Oh, let me check the box score real quick." And I was like, "Oh, no, I don't need to watch." <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, "This game is this game is within reach." And then I looked and they were and I just saw like Columbia under a hundred yards, Bowman under. I'm like, "Oh, they're not moving the ball. No. I don't need to watch this." Like, they're not like if you're tech and you're not moving the football, what are you doing? Right. Like, you're not, like, because, and Iowa State's a good team. Like, again, with, we talk about how this is, like, an underachieving team that we expect to be really good. They look like that team, but also, Texas Tech didn't do them any favors. They looked like trash. Like, <laughs> when I finally did turn over, it was, like, I mean, just a lot of horizontal stuff, nothing daring, um, which is shocking because Columbia showed that he could stretch the ball a little bit more. Um, Bowman, obviously, that's his thing. Uh, they can stretch the, stretch the field, but it was just boring nothing really going i felt like i was watching mike leach's offense all over again <laughs> and it's just yeah nothing i mean iowa state realized that they don't have to do anything down the field yeah so uh they were so fine. columbia only came into the game in the fourth quarter and so uh mm-hmm. so three through three quarters texas tech had 95 yards 95 yeah and so Bowman finished with under 100 yards. Yeah, and, um, and so Columbia comes in the game, and, like, I, I don't want to sit here and, like, pretend that Columbia's, like, some fantastic quarterback, right? Like, I'm not... I'm not. But he proved he could do right. stuff last That's week. That's the thing, right? I, I just think that what we've seen so far, and I think that this dates back even to the beginning of last year, that, that I felt like Alan Bowman didn't look comfortable with David Yost's play calling. Um, it's it's mm-hmm. a little unclear why. I don't know if he's just not making the reason he should. I, I mean, and the thing is, too, right, like... 
I kind of said this a little bit, uh, you know, on Twitter, but to me, I think that people kind of underestimate how badly the roster was constructed at Texas Tech because Cliff is such a good offensive coach, like like historically sort of good. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's the head coach of a freaking NFL team now and is doing pretty well, right? Like, as soon as mm-hmm. he took away the, like, roster management decisions from him, guess what? He'd just give him players and he'll coach him, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I think that all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm going in and I'm like, man, was that just Cliff? You know, what was that just Cliff making right. Alan Bowman look really good? And I, I just don't think that... Again, it just doesn't seem like he looks comfortable in this offense. Um, you know, he just gets skittish very quickly, and I think it's made very clear because obviously the offensive line I don't think has been as good as we expected it to be. But like, it makes very clear sure. when you have a mobile quarterback like Columbia, who's who's able to get out of the pocket, who's still able to keep his eyes downfield. It's it's just different, right? In the fourth quarter, uh, and not all this was Columbia, but the majority of it was. You know, they they throw for 175 yards, or, or sorry, they they accumulate 175 yards, 154 through the air. You know, it, it's just they move the ball so much mm-hmm. better. I think that they they nearly got half of their total yards on just the two drives that Columbia was in the game, right? And yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, and, and I want to be clear too, right? Like Iowa State's a good defense. Like I know that they schemed against Alan Bowman well, and they probably weren't ready to deal with the quarterback like Columbia. But like, you have to have those different dimensions. I feel like, especially you know, that this is one of those things that we saw. You know, it's kind of funny. It reminds me a little bit back of like a, of like 2017, right? When Tom Herman takes over Texas, and like it's not that Shane Bouchelle's bad, but it's that Sam Ellinger is just mm-hmm. the guy who can kind of do other things because the rest of the team wasn't very good and you know so is there a little bit of that going on and i i I don't know i'm wondering was was i don't know was sir roderick thompson hurt i don't know because like the both of their games i mean he didn't he didn't have a good week last week so they might have just like kind of just thought they need to go away from him for a bit but um their best performances is when they establish him and i get it like you know you're you're tech and you know this is this is at the very least this is still a passing offense a spread offense but like their best games came when they when Sir Thompson had good games or at least that the other team knew they had to worry about him and the past two weeks um I mean again they didn't do you know they tried to establish him against Kansas State and they didn't you know he didn't have a good day but uh they barely had six touches what is that yeah against Iowa State yeah like I get it, they were down, you know, three two scores at the half, but it's not, you know, the game's not out of reach when you're down two touchdowns. Yeah, I don't know. It, it was a little, it was a little unusual. The one thing that I'll say though is like, heading. I, I mean, I, I know that heading into the fourth quarter, they had barely run any plays. Like it was, yeah, heading into the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. they only had thirty-one plays, right? So like, a, a big <laughs> yeah. part of that as well is obviously that they just. I mean, they were getting rid of the ball so quickly. It was kind of unbelievable how quick they were going three and out. And um, mm-hmm. and so I, I do think it was a little strange. I'm curious because, you know, he went six for 14, right? Like, I mean, he wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know, may, maybe they maybe they just uh, saw that Iowa State was stacking the box. Maybe they thought that, that their defensive line could just take Tech's offensive line away. I don't know if it was just a matchup thing. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that that's definitely something that needs to change. And that's also something too, where having a mobile quarterback kind of helps free up some of that stuff for a running back, you know, when you can run some of the zone read sure. stuff. I don't know. I mean, I'd have to go back and watch all the, you know, watch all of it back to kind of understand why they made all those decisions. And they're definitely a passing offense, but it, I don't know. It, it was definitely unusual. It's not what I expected. And I mean, look, I, I think that even if it's just Sir Roderick Thompson running straight into, you know, straight into the line and getting two yards, I mean, you got to, I think, I feel like you have to do it more than six times, right? Right. <laughs> right. So, anyway, weird game, Texas Tech, I don't know. I don't know what to think about them right now. Uh, moving on, another another very disappointing team for me, Texas State. Um, oh Texas State hadn't looked overmatched, I feel like, at any point this year, and apparently mm. that took going to Troy to do? <laughs> yeah, I admit this one was weird. Like, I'll admit, this is the first game in a while that I did not watch all of because for some reason part of me gets it, right? You have two quarterbacks who both shown decent things. Um, granted, more out of necessity than you, you know, than than you never had them both healthy. Right, so you've right. played one and you know, they both kind of flashed what they right. had. 
And so heading into this game, Spavados said, hey, I'm going to, we're going to see both. And I was like, sure, whatever. Um, and then you see Brady McBride get the first drive. Tyler Vitt get the second drive. Brady McBride get the third drive. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, pick someone. What is this? Right. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're down. Right. And I was like, oh, okay, Troy's up. And then, of course, Troy's way too good of a team to surrender a lead. And then you blink and it's 23-3, Troy. And it's like, oh, okay, well, there goes that. And the offense has no rhythm. Um, neither quarterback has rhythm. And, you know, who, okay, who cares? Like, game's over. Like, right. <laughs> and Gunnar Watson's on the other side throwing for 300 yards. And Troy's in a rhythm. They're rushing for over 100 yards. And it's like, wh- what was... <sighs> what did juggling quarterbacks do? Or what did you expect it to do? Right, right. Because... Again, I get it. You have two guys who are capable, who have shown to be capable, but the off- you have to take into account that the offense has looked good under two quarterbacks when they've had an entire week of practicing with one of those quarterbacks and knowing what they're going to be doing. And when you take that out of, when you get them out of that rhythm, okay, now all of a sudden the offensive line has to adjust because they know Brady McBride is going to improv more. Now, all of a sudden, um, you know, maybe the running backs are going to have to adjust to the read a little more because they know Tyler Vitt's a little bit more sturdy, so he might pull it a little more. Wide receivers are going to have to adjust. And, like, I just don't get the point of juggling quarterback series after series. If you want to say a half, maybe, or if you want to see, or if you want to give the hot hand, right? Tyler Vitt gets three drives and he turns the ball over. Okay, Brady McBride go in there. But he was doing it drive after drive, and I'm like, I don't get that. Yeah. And it just got the offense completely out of sight. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like if you're gonna do that, like at minimum, you have to give guys two drives in a row, right? Like you at least have to like right. give, them, give them a rhythm. Right. Especially, I mean, because the other thing was they the the, the drives were three and right. out, so it was like three plays done. Okay, you're pulled, right. and it's like okay, wh- what does that right. do? Right. No, and I mean it, it's just hard to build a rhythm, and and like you said, I mean it's even, you know, it's even one thing if at least the quarterbacks are very similar, but like, like you said, sure. I mean. You know, McBride is a guy who's going to freelance back there and and is trying to make quick decisions with his accuracy. And Vitt's more of a, you know, he's either going to gunsling it or run, like you said. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. It was it was definitely a weird decision. Uh, I don't like how he handled that. And, and, yeah, I mean, Texas State had been very, very competitive against everybody that they had played this season. And they've played almost exclusively teams that are better than Troy, in my opinion. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, so... That's what made things a little. Uh, that, that's what just made things confusing. Because again, when McBride's been in the lineup, I mean, they've they stood up to SMU and they stood up to Boston College, right? Like those are two teams mm-hmm. who are dramatically better than Troy is. But I, I don't quite understand what the plan was. And and look, obviously, it extremely did not pay off. They finished with under a hundred yards passing. Right. And so yeah, they got they got South Alabama next week, and then they have BYU, and then (laughs) UL, and then App State. So like they have to fix next week. They have to fix things because the next three games after that are not fun. I mean, like is is next week a must win game? Like I I don't probably. I mean, because look, because you're sitting. What are you sitting at? Two one win right now. Um, one win. So you got South Alabama, and then you look at the rest of the schedule. You're looking at Coastal, maybe Georgia Southern. Who hasn't? Who's been fine? Like George Southern's not a world beater like they used to be, but they're they've been fine. Um, so like at that point, you're looking at as far as like expectations, you're looking at maybe four wins. Yeah, I, I mean the thing. Like maybe, maybe if you win next week. <laughs> I mean the thing is, uh, the thing that we have to remember too is that Coastal's three and zero right now too. They beat Arkansas State fifty-two yeah, twenty-three this week. Like true, Coastal's, Coastal's a damn good. problem. Coastal looks pretty yeah. good. So yeah. I don't know. Again, like after uh, after South Alabama and South Alabama hasn't looked bad either. Um, you know, but after yeah. South Alabama, they played tr- Tulane pretty yeah, strong. Yeah, I mean, after South Alabama, yeah, it's it's hard to find more wins on this schedule. Honestly, um, yeah. you know, it's South Alabama at Georgia Southern. Maybe pull off something against Arkansas State. Maybe you figure out something against Coastal. So, yeah, and and I, I want to be clear, right? Like, obviously, they're one and four, but they're one and one in conference right now, which is more what matters you know i mean in terms mm-hmm. of at least it being similar level competition but uh, sure. i mean come on you gotta you gotta figure out something like we were so encouraged that was the first true step back right. of the right. season and it was a major right. step back and, and again it was another it was a game in my opinion that you kind of needed to be competitive in because 
this is this mm-hmm. is Sunbelt play. This is happening, right? So, right. Uh, man, yeah, the, the game sure look gone right now. But um, moving on to number eight, the Texas Longhorns. <laughs> so uh, the, the score was fifty three forty five. It was a one score game. It went to quadruple overtime, and I think that we can all agree that that Texas didn't deserve all those extra chances. That was Spencer Rattler saying, here you go. <laughs> Please come back into this game. Right. Actually, no, I shouldn't put it on Spencer. The, 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 yes, he turned the ball over, right? But especially that last decision to throw, not even to throw, because he had uh, uh, Drake Stoops was wide open in the flat on that third yeah. down. Um, and he could have hit him for probably a first down or maybe at least five yards and at least keeping the clock going. But... Uh, that looked like a decision where Riley was like, "Hey, read like find." I think he was going for Stogner. I couldn't tell who he was going I think it was for, Stogner. but yeah, it looked like that. Like Spencer Riley didn't even look at Stoops. I want to say like that was like, "Hey, Stogner's gonna be open, so hit right. him." And so I don't know, but it, it was basically, long story short, it was Oklahoma handing the game back to Texas with five minutes to go after multiple chances of almost putting that game away early because they could have gone up 17 nothing, and of course Spencer Rattler threw a pick and then the next I think the next driver a drive after that he fumbled the ball and like it was just like it was just it was them handing the ball back right yeah this was this was a bizarre game for anybody who didn't watch like I think that they're oh gosh how many turnovers did, did Oklahoma finish with it was like four or five let's see Rattler threw a pick he had a fumble I, I guess it was um, three I guess did Pledger fumble yeah. Or was a major. So each of these teams uh, turned the ball over three times. Uh, it honestly yeah. felt like more than that. It honestly felt like every five seconds. I think I think Oklahoma fumbled another time, okay. but they recovered. Okay, it. that might be what I'm thinking of. Yeah, it was. This was a game that it seemed like nobody wanted to win, but at the same time, right. You leave this game saying Texas never looked like the better team at any point. No, no. There, there was the the difference was at times Sam Ellinger looked like the best yes. player on the field and that that like that is that was the difference sam ellinger like literally grabbing this game by the scruff of his neck and saying look these guys are handing us the game let's go take it and like for the first time in i can't remember how long like he just said you know what we're not running the ball well i don't care i'm a running back now and like he he just this was the sam ellinger that like you know we honestly this is the sam ellinger that i thought we were get more his freshman year because I never thought he would develop into a capable, or not capable, a reliable, consistently reliable passer, yeah, yeah. right? And he has. Um, even though he, you know, he didn't look great at times in this game either. But I thought we would look, I thought we would get like a 200-100 yard divide quarterback basically for most of his career. That hasn't been him until this game. And he was like, you know what, I'm going to take this game by the scruff of his neck and I'm going to will my team to overtime and to be on the brink of winning. Um, should have gone for two. I don't know. (laughs) Some, there's like, both of these teams should have gone for two multiple chances in overtime, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. (laughs) No, it's, and it's definitely, it's obviously easy to say that in hindsight, but like, you know, you score a touchdown. Sure, but I mean, you score a touchdown with 14 seconds. You mentioned it. Texas was, Texas looked like the worst team. Like the worst team needs to go for two to get out of there with a win. Like, (laughs) yeah, I, I don't know. We talked about it on the preview this week for sure. Um, you know, this was the Texas team that, you know, it, it's supposed to be a little bit of a culmination year, right? This is supposed to be the year when you've got all these junior defensive backs, you got all these, you know, seniors on the on the offensive line, you got a senior quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like, this is kind of supposed to be one of those years, right? Whereas Oklahoma, you know, they're playing a freshman quarterback, they're playing a, you know, freshman and sophomore running back. Like, they're, they, they've got a lot of inexperience on their team. They honestly kind of have given up on a bunch of guys in the secondary, and they're playing young guys now. You know, so it's like mm-hmm. this is bad news if Texas ever wants. They to They threw in a sophomore quarterback for two, two or three drives. Like I like Tanner Mordecai, but like Oklahoma, the fact that Texas couldn't close any ground when Tanner Mordecai was yeah. in. Like again, he's a good quarterback, right? I'm not saying that he he might transfer and go start somewhere next year, but like, and, and probably will start somewhere next year. But like, he's he's not the guy who te- Texas should have been like, oh sweet, Tanner Mordecai's in. Let's gain some ground because he doesn't have a lot of the factors that you worry about with Spencer Rattler. And it's like, I don't know, the fact that they could not close the gap and sometimes looked better, right? Uh, Spencer Rattler came back in and obviously kind of got back going, but like 
Oklahoma looked better in like when for at times when Tanner Mordecai was in. It's like how is that possible? Yeah, I don't know. It was it was a weird game. Um, and and again, it's just we we knew heading into this game. Obviously, like Red River is always kind of a crazy game. It's always something different sure, happens, sure. you know. Like and and so I I don't feel like we'd be saying this if it wasn't more confirmation of what we've already seen from this Texas team, right? Like. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't kind of the same issues coming up. Like, it's not that they lost, it's how they lost. And right. and so you go into, you know, you go heading forward and it's like, all right, well, next year Spencer Rattler's going to be a sophomore. He's probably going to only turn over mm-hmm. the ball two times a game instead of three, right? And, like, right. you know, and so. Is Jaquinn and Jackson or Hudson Card going to be ready to, you know, yeah. lead them to a yeah. win? I don't yeah. know. I don't, Maybe. I don't know. But it's, it's hard <laughs> to say, right? And And so it's just this was the year when you're supposed to be further along than Oklahoma and mm-hmm. they weren't. I mean, at the end of the day, they weren't, I, I will say, I'll, I'll close on this. Um, I think on the broadcast, they were like, oh, wow, maybe we could get another one of these in the big 12 title game. I, what? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Both these teams are. Buddy, we are getting we are getting Kansas State, Iowa State. No, we're getting Kansas State, Oklahoma State. Come on now. <laughs> oh, that's her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like, they're one and two. They're one and right. two. I mean, these teams aren't making the Big Twelve title. Like, game. don't get me wrong. It's, like, honestly, you know, you know what? They're they're actually gonna meet. They're gonna meet again. They'll probably just meet again in the, the what the Sun Bowl or something. <laughs> like these two teams. Hey, they don't because, deserve because the Sun you know bowl. bowl qualification doesn't bowl qualification doesn't matter. Who cares? They're just gonna say, you know what? Just give us the Red they, River they again. Some bowl is gonna be, Armed Forces Bowl is gonna be like, give us the Red River. Again. They absolutely do not deserve the Sun Bowl. This team is meeting in the which which is the one that's in Shreveport that everybody hates. Uh, the Birmingham Bowl. No, 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 not well. Obviously, that's Birmingham, but I can't remember what the Shreveport one is. But uh, maybe the point. What's the Gasparilla Bowl? Is that still a thing? Oh, man, I think that's Tampa or something like that. I, I don't know. Anyway. Point is, point is, uh, <laughs> things are bad. Things are real bad right now. Is Battletoads still sponsoring something? Or Battlefront, they, whatever the they hell are that not. sponsor was? They are not, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Baylor didn't play this week. They're at number seven still. Let's see if they're ready to play against Oklahoma State this week after shutting sure. down from COVID. Well, obviously, uh, I don't know if we really addressed that. Baylor has had to shut down because of uh, positive COVID tests. Um, not great. Mm-hmm. We don't know exactly uh, what, what the issue is. They were saying that they were shutting down because they also needed to do the process of contact tracing and confirming cases. So that doesn't guarantee that they won't have enough players to, to play against Oklahoma State, but that certainly is not good news for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving on to number six, uh, I, I officially call Gavison Hardison Court into order. Uh, the Utah <laughs> Miners at number right, six. Bang. <laughs> bang the gavel. Okay. Gavison Hardison Court is Gavin Hardison Court is in session. Okay, so first is he good? First, I, I do want to I do want to say, um, you know, you took one time on the road against Louisiana Tech, and even though they lost, I think that they can conf- they good. confirmed looked a lot good. of what we've seen this season. Right? They they mm-hmm. looked competitive. They this is a competent football right, team. Right? They never looked out of the game. They they always looked like they were on the same level. I actually think you know I I just want to mention quickly like I don't think that people realize how good they were defensively. They. Uh, mm-hmm. They held Louisiana Tech to 210 yards, and they held them. They were really, they looked really they good. The defense looked two fantastic. Two yards per carry and 4.3 yards per pass attempt. Right, like the defense looked really good. Here's the thing, Luke Anthony, uh, pride of pride of former ACU uh, quarterback, um, looked re- in, in 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 the games leading up against Southern Miss, 149 yards against HBU, 314 against BYU at BYU. Yeah. 191 on 67% completion. Yeah. UTEP held him to 85 yards completion on 55%. He, they sacked him four times. He, he hadn't been sacked four times all year. Right. Like, he'd been sacked, let me see, one, two, five times all right. year. UTEP got to him four yeah. times. Like, this defense was really good, and the offense could not do anything. Right. And, I mean, Louisiana Tech, they obviously are talented on defense. Uh, you know, we, we saw that a little bit, but... Yeah, I don't know. It was disappointing. So the thing that was, I guess, a little confusing to me was that it felt like mm-hmm. the—I mean, this wasn't the only issue, but like it felt like the offensive scheme took a step back. Like watching this game, it felt like they just were either launching it or they were running Deion Hankins straight into the center, and 
Sure. You know, and, and it feels like, especially again... And it almost worked once. Yeah. I mean, they almost tied the game on one of those launches, but I think it was a hold yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. That, or no, it was a delay game. Yeah. A delay game that wasn't blown dead. It was really yeah, it weird. Was, it was bizarre, but... Um, you know, and, and so, like... And I don't mind going down the field with Hardison, but, like, it was just a little confusing to me that they were so reluctant to go to the middle of the field. Now, I, I think that... I do think that Louisiana Tech, you know, I think that they were bracketing Jacob Cowing. I think that they were, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think they were trying to take away that deep ball. And, you know, so for me, it was a little confusing that you don't run a, a couple more, you know, like crossing routes or something like that. It runs stuff to the middle of the field. Sure. Uh, you know, because that's where it seemed like there was a little bit more space. Now, I think that Louisiana Tech was able to stop the run mostly with their front four. Like they weren't having to, to mm-hmm. bring a lot of help. And that was an issue. Um, but yeah, it felt like every time Hardison threw the ball, it was just a rocket, right? Like it was just trying to hit a home run every single time he threw it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so look, I think that this was definitely Hardison's worst game in a while. I'm, I'm trying to think back. I mean, I, I mean, I guess since Texas, right, would be the time that you would say. Right. Um, and again, Louisiana Tech did things to take Justin Garrett and Jacob Cowing away specifically, and we got to see. Devon Cooper kind of step up into that third role and he looked all right. Right. And so, but yeah, I, I don't know. He just looked skittish again. Uh, and he just looked really inaccurate. That That's the biggest thing. He, yeah, that, that was the biggest concern for me was that there were some signs I mentioned during the week, there were some signs against SFA, I think, where it was like, Oh, that pass should be complete. Right. And I think ACU as well, where it was like, uh, this is, this is a little concerning. I didn't I didn't have too many concerns because, you know, they just blew out ULM. And I was like, okay, maybe he's fixed some things. And there was a play. And I tweeted about it. And you saw it too. It was like third and five. Third and short. It was yeah, like third yeah, and manageable, yeah, whatever. That was bad. I forgot who the pass was to. It was a screen. I think it was fourth and one, some... by the way. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, it was. You're right, you're right, you're right. It was fourth and one. And they gave him like, it was like a five-yard cushion. It was like he could have skipped to the first down. And Gavin Hardison, instead of skipping to the first down, Gavin Hardison skipped the ball to him. And it hit the dirt, and that was that. And I was like, oh, he can't hit screens. Like, <laughs> right. it was like, oh, no. And that's when I that's when, that's when, when I tweeted. It was like, look, Gavin Hardison court has to come into session because we got to come to a discussion about this guy. Right. Is he as good as we thought? Or is he just kind of a guy who they have thrown the ball? Well, and, and the thing is, right, like, Maybe that's part of why they didn't run more of that action, right? Because that seems like the natural thing right, to right. do is to run. You know, I mean, I don't get me wrong. This is not like this is not a team running a ton of air raid passing concepts. But you know, this seems like the sort of spot where you do run tunnel screens, right? Where you do run some of those mm-hmm. passes. Um, and and yeah, I mean, look, if he isn't comfortable throwing those passes, that's not great, right? Not great. Um, <laughs> right. You know, and, and the thing that I'll say, right, like against ULM, he only completed 52% of his passes, but I thought that that didn't reflect how accurate he looked in that game. You know, I, I felt like... Sure, I mean, he was hitting the deep shots right. very and, well. And, like, again, there were some drops, uh, you know, there were some balls that were just contested and, and the DB won, but, like, mm-hmm. you know, that that's what was so concerning is that it felt like it felt like he was missing long a lot, which was something that I don't feel like we had seen consistently since SFA, right? Like, it, it feels mm-hmm. like in the opener, he was just very skittish. He was launching the ball, kind of missing all his receivers. And it felt like he kind of fixed some of that, you know, by ACU, by ULM, that, that you know, he was not doing that the same way. And maybe it's just the type of plays that they were calling, too. But it felt like that was back again. And the only reason why that's really frustrating is because, you know, they had what? I mean, I, I let me go back and look. They had like two or three drives where they could have taken the lead in this game down the stretch, right? And uh, so, yeah. So, for example, they they scored a touchdown. It was Duran Lowe on a kick return with 11:32 remaining in the fourth quarter. They forced a three mm-hmm. and out. They uh, they have to punt after that because they go six plays seven yards. Uh, they force another three and out. Hardison throws an mm-hmm. interception. <laughs> they force a punt. And then they fumble, right? Now, now that was that was, yeah. I guess, on the on the lateral plate, right? But you know, mm-hmm. it, it just you can't have that many chances, right? Like, mm-hmm. like if you get if you get two and and even a hail mary chance, right? Like you got to make something out of it, and and they really didn't. And so, again, I, I think that we walk away from this game saying, okay, 
UTEP's a little spicy still. Like, even though even though all this happened, you still feel pretty good about it. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's If they're going to build their offense around this passing game, they got to be able to pass, right? <laughs> like, that's, that's kind of the deal. Mm-hmm. And so... I still feel very good about where this UTEP team's at. I mean, I I do think I was oh, waiting yeah. to to see another dominant defense performance, and I feel like I saw that. I th- and and looking at their schedule ahead, like this is I still really like where UTEP yeah. headed. Like you have you have Southern Miss next week, you have Charlotte, you have North Texas, which looks very winnable yes. right now, um, and then you have FIU, who doesn't look good either. They lost to Middle Tennessee, and then you have UTSA, which you know we're still just kind of up in the air about fun, that. Honestly. I think UTSA. Yeah, that should be a lot of fun. I think UTSA obviously is the favorite, but still manageable. And then you have UAB. I, honestly, UAB is the one game where I'm like, yeah, they're probably not yeah. winning that. Yeah. Like, that's the one game. The fact that I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games, and one of them is the one where I'm like, yeah, they're probably not winning Right. That. Like, obviously, obviously, I'm not saying UTEP's going 10, 10 and 2, but, <laughs> like, the fact that they're yeah. in seven, like, six of these games, that's phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Look, I mean... I, I all I'm saying is that uh, is that they changed the rules so you don't have to go 500 to make a bowl. So UTEP's already riding high. They're already like we're already bowl eligible, man. We don't need to worry. <laughs> no worries, no problems. Right. <laughs> we want Bama in the Sun Bowl. Let's go. <laughs> Let's freaking go. But, uh, number five, we got the TCU Horn Frogs. Uh, TCU apparently their performance against Texas was just a performance against Texas, uh, just like it was last season. <laughs> they. So first of all, again, it was the same sort of deal where like their play calling and scheming just didn't look as good as it had in the previous weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looked like they were trying to get Max Duggan killed out there. Uh, their their offensive line. Oh my line, god! Yeah, he they had, they took him out. I think what third quarter? Yeah, fourth third quarter? quarter. I think. Yeah, and then uh, and then Matthew Downing threw a pick six because I mean, he, there's only so much he can be expected to do. He's a former walk on. Right. Uh, yeah, this was a very, very discouraging offensive result. Um, and now Kansas State is good, right? Like, we don't have to pretend that Kansas yeah. State's nothing. I mean, Kansas State, mm-hmm. they, they make a living on causing you problems and making you make mistakes, but TCU made a lot mm-hmm. of mistakes. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I didn't see much of this game. I saw that I couldn't tell if Downing, if if Duggan was benched or if Duggan was just like, kind of like mercilessly benched it, it was mercy <laughs> as in like we're sure. not protecting yeah, you <laughs> it was definitely mercy benched and then and then downing gotcha. throws the pick six and and grant like i think that they just wanted him to sit out for a second because he had been sort of so beat sure. up right like he was he looked pissed sure, sure. he looked pissed that he was being yeah. pulled out oh no no I, I did i did catch that on this that's why yeah. i couldn't tell i was like is he getting benched yeah. or is are they just trying to save and him so because he was arguing with i think it was kill who was he was arguing yeah. with who was just like um yeah, to where I couldn't really discern why he was yeah, upset. No, and so, um, no, and so, so then Donnie comes in, but like Duggan at the end of this game looked like he had just been jumped. Like that's right. you know he was so red. He was, he was so red so and just red. like covered in grass. Right. No, like, it looked like he might have black eyes at the end of this. Like it, it's just oh man, it was. Yeah, like you said, it it was exactly that. It was a mercy <laughs> pulling because. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, and, and the other thing, too, that you say, right, is, like, I don't know. It, it just feels like you need a little more from everybody else, right? Because, like, I don't feel like his receivers did mm-hmm. him a whole lot of good. Like, that offensive line is a disaster, just a total disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, we thought that heading in. But also, like, that's quite an indictment on Texas that they couldn't take advantage of that, too, right? Because mm-hmm. Iowa State and Kansas State both took advantage of that. And on the defensive side of the ball – I don't know. They still just look so unprepared. That, that's the thing that's confusing to me is that they – so so the one play that really stands out to me is there was a Will Howard draw play, right, a quarterback draw for mm-hmm. Kansas State. He stands back in the pocket for a second, and there's nobody there, like nobody. He goes <laughs> 80 yards on that play. That's, I mean, come on. I, I, I don't know. That just seems like – that just seems like the sort of thing that doesn't happen with the Gary Patterson defense. It doesn't seem like they give up 80-yard draw plays to freshman quarterbacks, right? And, like, and Deuce Vaughn obviously did his thing at a 45-yard reception. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, this was, this was definitely one of those games where just Kansas State knew that TCU was going to mess up and just waited for them to do mm-hmm. it, right? On both sides of the ball. Like, this wasn't just – it's easy to say this was just an offensive thing, but, like, 
defensively too. They just waited for TC to mess up, and, and they did it. And, and they did sure. on special teams too, right? I think they had a they had a field goal blocked. Like every phase of the game, TCU was undisciplined and didn't play well. And I I don't know. I just I don't know what to expect from TCU. They were number two after beating uh, Texas last week in this poll. Now they're at five. And don't get me wrong, uh, the rest of the state might just be mediocre enough that they end up in that middle group. But (laughs) I don't know. This was a very discouraging result. So moving on to number four, we got the UTSA Roadrunners. Uh, All right. So heading into this week. They played number 15 BYU on the road, and BYU was a merciless killing machine. Yep. And UTSA had the ball down one score in the fourth quarter. They were really good. Like, they, they played really well. Um, I mean, Zach Wilson did his thing, yeah. I mean, which is what you kind of expected. Um, I gotta say, Lowell Narcisse is a different quarterback than like, he was what last was year. What was that? That was like, the most... Frank, Frank Harris was taken yeah. out, you know, kind of a, a similar mercy <laughs> benching, right, I think. Right, right, right. Um, because he was just getting hammered. But Lowell Narcisse looks like a, another capable quarterback, which, like, I don't know, I, I think would frustrate me if I'm UTSA fans at the fact that, you know, the offense looked like it stalled last year when he was in, and it was so one-dimensional. And he was hitting a lot of passes. Like, he's not the most polished passer, but, like, he showed that he could be capable of at least adding the second dimension, which, it, again, last year it did not look like you were able to run, you know, forward passes with him when he, when he played. But um, this year, I don't know if it's just the fact that he has wide receiver talent now, but they were moving the ball really well. You know, that's a funny thing, right? It's like, it feels like they're just getting so much more out of these players, especially on offense, than, yeah. than we've ever yeah. seen from them, right? I mean, because you're right. Last year, Narcisse completed, like, 52% of his passes, and, and, like, it wasn't one of those, like, oh, he was taking a lot of deep shots and stuff. It, it was that like he completed 52% of his passes. In this right. game, he went 17 for 20 for over 200 yards, despite coming in in relief, mm-hmm. right? And threw two touchdown passes. Like... This was a different player. I, I don't know where this came from. I we'll, we'll see, obviously, if this is sustainable. Um, you know, I don't know what, what their plan's going to be. I don't know if they're going to plan to play two quarterbacks or if they're going to... I don't know. It's hard to say, right? But, um, right. but I mean, gosh, I, I don't know. You, get, you have to give that offensive staff a lot of credit because they've cycled now between three quarterbacks. I, I mean, obviously, uh, Jordan Weeks played last week and, and didn't look very good, but... But, you know, they've cycled right. through Josh Adkins, Frank Harris, and Naluel Narcisse, and all of them have looked good at, at, in different ways. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that you have to give that staff a whole lot of credit for finding ways to take advantage. Because the other thing, too, is that all three of those quarterbacks are completely different. And they found yeah. unique ways to keep them in ball games. And again, like, BYU was obviously better and, and deserved to win the game. But, like, UTSA had a chance down the stretch. Honestly, if this game was at the Alamo Dome, I don't know. Maybe they find a way to win it. Maybe, perhaps. Who knows? Um, <clears throat> I remember when I said this week that, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if this game was within reach at halftime because we've seen UTSA look really good, yeah. right, um, with, their, with their plan A. And that's, I mean, that was more or less around what happened, right? They were down 14-3 at the half. The difference was... They didn't fold in the second half. All. They didn't, like, they BYU came out and punched them. I thought when they went up 21-6, okay, boom, that's it. You, what's how it happens? UTSA goes right down the field and scores. And I think, um, I want to say Lowell Narcisse hit, like, Cephas for, like, a big 30-yard gain or something like that. But, like, yeah, they came right back out, and they drove down the field, and they scored the next drive. And then, and then what did they do? They forced three and out. And then, like, obviously, then, of course, UTSA stalls out. But the point is, like, they got hit, and they came back. And then uh, BYU was supposed to deal the, the the knockout blow going up 21-3. And then, then all of a sudden it's 13-21, right? And so it, the the plan B, the halftime adjustment, got better this week. And that was that's always been the problem. And that was my question mark with Jeff Trailer and the staff was, can they get the adjustment when the opposing coaching staff figures out what UTSA is doing? And this week they kind of did. And, you know, now it's like, okay, let's sustain that now to where you're not having to, you know, you're not asking your players to slay Goliath now, right? Now, next week, you know, Army's good, but, like, you know, I still think BYU is better than Army. So now can they do something maybe actually pulling an upset? Or, you know, if they can sustain something like that against La Tech or FAU, right? Right, right, right. So, no, I mean, and and this is what you hoped to see from this game. You hoped to see a team yep. that 
looked like they belonged on the field with them. Because the other thing that you say, too, is that the reason that BYU's been so good through these early weeks is that they've dominated teams in the trenches. And mm-hmm. and especially when Jalen Haynes was out, right, their starting defensive tackle and arguably their best defensive player, you really thought that there could be trouble, right? Like, you really thought mm-hmm. that this could go downhill really quick. But on both sides of the ball, they handled their business uh, they gave Lowell Narcisse enough time to pass. Now, I, but BYU was definitely targeting in on the uh, on the run to try to stop the run. You know, Sincere McCormick only 42 yards, but they still competed, right? They still gave these players mm-hmm. enough time to make plays. And again, BYU's, I, I mean, heading forward, like, you know, maybe, I, I mean, Army can do a lot of special things on the lines just with the way that they scheme, but like nobody else is going to have anywhere near the trenches talent that BYU has. So if they're handling BYU in the trenches, I think that really bodes well for what UTSA can be heading forward. For sure. All right. Time to talk about the Aggies. Number three, Texas A&M. Oh, man. So 41-38 win over number four, Florida. We've been begging for Texas A&M to follow up their 2018-7 overtime win against LSU with another big win, right? We've been begging, waiting for that moment, and finally... Hold on, hold on. Let me, I need to gavel in real quick. <laughs> Kellen Moncourt <laughs> is now in session because my boy is good. Whew. I don't care. Me and you have felt on an island sometimes <laughs> because we, we've been saying Kellen Mon is not the problem. Kellen Mon is actually pretty good. And what does he do? He comes out and he just absolutely outduels Kyle Trask. Yeah. Like, yeah. he was fantastic. I've said all season long that this team will go as far as Kellen Mon can take them. And yep. look, part of that is... The rest of the team, I don't think, is as far along as we thought it is, right? Like, I think that I sure. think that we thought, you know, especially on in the secondary, I think that's the one area where it's like, oh, man, I really thought that they were further along. And and that said, I, I will also say Isaiah Spiller is fantastic on offense, right? Like, fantastic, fantastic. He, this was his, I mean, they need, they. this is the Isaiah Spiller that I thought we would be getting the full right. season. But once Kellen Mond had time, because credit to that offensive line, they gave him time. Once he had time, I mean, he was... More accurate than we've ever seen from him, I'd say. Uh, he was hitting balls mm-hmm. down the field. He was taking shots. Um, you know, we were kind of waiting for receivers to step up. Caleb Chapman ended up being that guy who who stepped up. Oh, he if he if he I mean he's a big target. Yes. So if he can develop into something like having a six five guy who can you can just throw the ball to in any situation, that is awesome. And if they if he develops and then their receivers who you know these these younger receivers like Demond Demas and all that eventually get into the fold in a couple years like. This is something, right? right? If Caleb Chapman can show what he showed, because again, doing this against Florida, again, their defense isn't great. We talked about uh, third and Grantham all uh, last <laughs> and week. We but, saw it, um, and we de- we definitely saw it. But like the fact that he was able to just come up out of nowhere again in a game in a conference game against a ranked opponent, a really good opponent, like hopefully this is the start of something for Caleb Chapman. Yeah, yeah, you have to hope so. And, you know, the one thing, obviously, is that uh, he was helped off the field after the game. Not uh, Haven't seen mm-hmm. any word of what that is, but haven't heard anything sort of bad the other way either. So, you know, hopefully hopefully it was just a stinger or something like that or a sprain. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is the thing, right? We've been waiting for Texas A&M to have guys who, who at least can give Mond a chance on those 50-50 balls, right? Like, you have to, against sure. SEC defensive backs, against these top-level players, you, you gotta, it's impossible to just scheme guys open, right? Like, that's just not how this works. Like, these players are just too good. You know, you have to give your quarterback, you know, a 60-40 chance. You gotta turn a 50-50 into a 60-40 or a 70-30, right? Like, that's, that's how you win these games. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for all the blame that Mond got, last year even, and, and obviously at the beginning of this year, that's something that I felt like was really lacking, was that I felt like their receivers weren't going up and winning those battles. And against Florida, and again, not the best defense that they're going to face. I, I do want to, you know, I, I do want to be fair about that. But, um, but sure. you know, still, they showed up in a big way. Well, didn't I think? I think we said. I think we said like we didn't even feel confident that Anna would win a shootout. No, we we explicitly right? said. And that. so like that, right? Then so that. I think is more impressive than the fact that they just lit up Florida, uh, Florida's defense, which might be bad. But like the fact that we were saying, even if Florida's defense bad, I don't think A&M can score with them. And look, at that's exactly what they did. So there was, I do want to hand on one drive. There was one drive I think that I saw 
just after halftime where I said AM might be winning this game. And I'm trying to think. I want to say it was their second drive. I'm trying to look at the drive chart. Yes, this one right here. I'm going to read off. <laughs> Long story short, this is the type of drive that I think I had been hoping to see from AM and I thought I'd be seeing more often this year. Sure. So this is their second drive. Florida goes up 28-17, and AM gets the ball. Spiller for 13, Spiller for 23, Spiller for 13, Spiller for 6, Smith for 9, Smith for 5, Smith for 5, Kellen Mond lost a 2, Wider, hits Weidermeyer for an 11-yard gain, touchdown Isaiah Spiller for three from 3. Yeah. <laughs> they just absolutely saying, yeah, we're running the ball. Right. Like, right. Florida's not doing anything. We are imposing our will. And that's the type of, like, football that... You know, we always mention his quarterbacks, you know, Winston and was Manuel under Fisher, too? I can't remember exactly. But, um, I so. we all, yeah, we always mention his quarterbacks. And sure, he is a quarterback guru, right? That is part of why AM hires him. But he is a running coach, first and foremost. He has a capable, if not elite, running back at all of his, all of his successful teams. Dalvin Cook, and they Freeman. Yeah, right. And now looks like Isaiah Spiller. And they were saying a lot of their losses came in when they cannot run the ball. A lot of their more embarrassing losses came when they cannot run the ball. And they said that drive, we are running this damn ball. <laughs> right. And, you know, and, and hopefully hopefully what comes from this is that Anim's offensive line, that their gains are real, right? Kenyon Green looked fantastic in this game. He, he looked like the best mm-hmm. lineman on the field. Uh, and, and hopefully that's something that can keep up, right? Because that's really been the issue, right? It's not that they haven't had talented running backs at Texas A&M, but their offensive line has been very inconsistent the first couple of weeks. Obviously, last week against Alabama, they, they got rocked, right? I mean, yeah. Haynes King was their leading rusher with 43 yards. So this can't be – that's the thing, right, about all of this, right? Like, obviously obviously the monster, but also with the receivers, with the offensive line, and even, even on the defensive line competing, right, like – this has to be consistent. This has to be, all right, mm-hmm. now you go, and, and I think, obviously, Mississippi State's a good team offensively, you know, to, to do this against, to keep up, keep it up, but, like, you have to keep winning those battles up front. You have to keep being able to run the ball. You have to keep being able uh, to, to win these 50-50 battles as receivers. And, look, obviously, the flip side of that is with Mississippi State, let's let's see how, uh, how A&M schemes up against these receivers, <laughs> right? Because, obviously, past mm-hmm. defense has been a real issue for them but you know look they've they've arguably played in fact i'm not even going to say arguably they've played the two best like passing offenses that they're going to play this season mississippi state's going to pass the ball a lot we'll see if it's if they're able to be effective doing that but they've played i was about to say they, they they're certainly going to try to pass right. the ball we'll see if it's right good. right and but you know <laughs> alabama and florida like that's that to me is the two best passing offenses that are going to see this year and so and trask is the best quarterback you're going to yes, see and trask is definitely the best quarterback i don't even think it's that close honestly and so uh, it's definitely not. <laughs> and so no i mean i think that the hard part is now behind you that was always the the concern about these early season games right is like we penciled the, everybody penciled this is zero and two yes. right these two yes. games and now they're one and one you have house money prove that you're the team that we thought you'd be in 2020 yeah and and ultimately right like you start looking at the rest of the schedule. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and and say for certain that they're going to go nine and one by any means. But at Mississippi State, mm-hmm. that's hopefully a win. Uh, versus Arkansas, they look very spicy. Arkansas looks really but, good. Yeah. But I, I do think that's going to be a win. They're lucky they get that one at home. At South Carolina, South Carolina cannot be Texas A&M, and they might be worse than ever. Uh, at Tennessee, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a really big game for them. I do think A&M's a better mm-hmm. team. We got to see whether they play that way. Uh, versus Ole Miss. Who the hell knows? Ole Miss looks frisky. <laughs> Ole Miss is frisky. You know who doesn't look frisky? LSU. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That should be – Kellen Mond should be absolutely carving out that Bo Pelini defense because that is – they are so bad. They look so bad on defense. Listen, maybe this is just the, the petty, you know, Texas journalist, uh, is, you know, liking the new coach who came in. But when I saw Edward Geron say that, uh, that the defense during camp has looked better than it ever did under Dave Aranda last year uh, – I, I had some thoughts. I had some thoughts, but uh, <laughs> I, I really, you, you know, Ed, I don't think so. I don't think that was right. <laughs> maybe, uh, look, maybe, maybe what he meant to say is that uh, is that Bo Pelini does a great job against Miles Brennan, and that's it. 
<laughs> but then uh, obviously the last week of the year you have Auburn and Auburn doesn't look unbeatable by any means, right? And so Chad Morris, what happened? <laughs> Trust me, that's a that's another Chad Morris coach another good offense challenge. Uh Chad Morris recruit Deshaun Watson again challenge, but but uh, and Taj Boyd he was he was Taj Boyd too. No, he did a good job with Taj Boyd, but oof, boy, um, it's been downhill. Yes, since it then. has, but like every one of those games is winnable, and honestly, I, I don't think it would be inconceivable. Like you get uh, you get Auburn on the road, that's going to be a tough thing, but they could be favored in all of these games. I mean, I think that's a real possibility. Mm-hmm. So look, and, and also the other thing that I'll say is. Wow, does does Alabama seem even more like a killing machine after uh, after seeing what they did to A and M last week and then seeing A and M play oh my gosh. Florida? How, how do they do that? I don't know, like, man. Like, how do they just do that every year? They, which is why I guess I'm a little I'm a little afraid of of Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's because like because Ole Miss looked like a really capable opponent and Lane Kiff, We know Lane Kiffin's a good coach, so like you know that's gonna be an interesting game. But yeah, Bama. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, there. Look, there are exactly two good teams in America right now. There's Clemson and Alabama, and nobody else is even yeah. within like fifty miles of those two teams. The other couple of teams that you might consider aren't playing football right, right now. So, it's like, a couple. It's Ohio State. That's it. <laughs> like, that's fair. I was gonna throw Oregon in there. Yeah, but yeah, fair enough. Fine. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I mean, again, this. This Alabama team and this Clemson team, they're special, man. They're, I, I would be shocked mm-hmm. if those two teams aren't in the playoff playing at some point. So, all right. We got a new team at number two, the Houston Cougars. So, after they, Whew. after they, uh, you know, after they decided they needed, you know, to just chill for a second, take it easy, go down 24 to three, turn over the ball twice, <laughs> allow two defensive touchdowns. After that, and, and after they woke up and were like, oh, yeah, that's right, we're way better than this team, they were crazy good, man. Like, the final score was 49-31, to 31, but again, 24-3 to happened in the first quarter. Uh, 21 of those points were, 14 were defensive scores, and another was directly off of a turnover. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the number doesn't do justice to how crazy Houston's defense played. Right. It, it looked like a team that hadn't played at all in a month. Right. Like, w- that started a month late, right? And so, <clears throat> when they finally got punched in the mouth, it was like, oh, that's right, we are more talented. And it it it, it sh- they showed what we kind of hoped to see under a second year of uh, uh, Dana Holgerson, a good head coach, right? And, and somebody who Houston invested a lot of money in, because, right, when it was 24-3, or was it 24-7? It was 24-3. Um, okay. And so, when it was twenty four three, I was like, "Ooh, that's not looking good." Like, it, it, obviously, you could throw them some slack for getting, you know, being rusty from this being their first game. But at the same time, you're like, "Okay, you're still invested a lot of money in Dana Holgerson, and you know, he's he's kind of given Clayton uh, Clayton Tune the keys to be the guy." And it's like, "Okay, what's what is this team? The fact that you're losing twenty four to three to a two lane team that's kind of looked okay, right? Not looked dominant at all, and then they just turn it on." And then they just absolutely just like Clayton Tune looks like a brand new quarterback. Like he looks good. Like I'm I'm I am already penciling him good. Like he, <laughs> maybe they just needed a full off season to work with him, um, or who I don't even know how much they got to work with him because spring was canceled and all that. So I don't know. But he looks like a different guy. Stevenson looks like a different guy coming off because they redshirted him last year, right? Uh, Steven, not Stevenson. Uh, Corbin was the guy that they redshirted. Corbin, okay, gotcha. Um, but still, he looks fantastic. Like this offense looks fantastic, and the defense looks fantastic. After they went down, like they gave up seven points the entire the rest of the game, and Tulane couldn't do anything. Tulane's a running team that couldn't run the ball. Yeah, uh, Tulane had uh, fifty six straight games with a hundred rushing yards, and they finished with seventy against Houston. And it wasn't because they didn't yeah. try, right? They averaged right. They averaged like one point six yards per carry against Houston. I mean, that's insane, right? Like that's insane. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, too, is that it wasn't like uh, it wasn't like that they just sacked Tulane so much that it just killed their rushing total. Like if you take away uh, the quarterback rush yards. Like they, that's still only seventy nine yards. Like I, it's just, right. I don't know. It was crazy. It was a crazy game. It was a crazy defensive performance. Peyton Turner looks like <laughs> looks like he's ready to be the next Ed Oliver. Like it, it was crazy. It was crazy. <laughs> I don't know. And 
And I wasn't exactly sure what to expect from this team because, you know, we, we talked about it coming in, right? Like, we felt like this team could be a lot better, like a lot, lot better mm-hmm. this year. But even with the knowledge that they could be a lot better, we just felt like the schedule was so tough, right? Like, it just felt like sure. such a bad spot. You know, they, they had Tulane, BYU, they go to Navy, who doesn't look very good now. But, like, UCF at Cincinnati versus USF at SMU, you know, they play at Memphis at the end of the year. Like, it just felt like such a tough schedule. But if they're going to be this mm-hmm. good then it might not matter, right? Like, right. it might not matter. They might be able to beat BYU. They might be able to beat Cincinnati. They might be able to beat Memphis. Like, all these, uh, they might be able to beat SMU even. You know, so, like, that's how good this team looked. They look good enough to compete with and beat those teams, even though they're going to have, again, five games potentially that are against really good opponents. Right. Yeah. I mean, last year, excuse me, last year, I was I was not a believer of Clayton Toon either. Like, Not at all. I, I will flat out say, like, I was like, is this the guy that Holgerson's hinging? Like, I was saying, go get a grad transfer, go get someone, because I didn't I didn't see it. And then I, you know, they reminded me, Dana Holgerson knows more about quarterbacks than I do, surprisingly. <laughs> right. And so, um, because again, the offense looked, it's one thing to have a great defense that gives you these chances. I didn't think this offense had had the player behind center to be able to take advantage of right to score 49 right to lead an offense to help score 49 and i should say right kyle porter looked really good Mm -hmm. he didn't have that many touches but he looked really good when he when he did um uh mobile car as well looked looked really good like these are run they have a stable of running backs to help spell clayton tune at times and provide you with a with a balance and that's something that they didn't always show last year they kind of showed it in spurts here and there um, but last year was such a weird year in general, just because how their whole their whole situation. But yeah, I I I don't know. The offense in one year, the offense just to me looks a new leaf turn. Yeah, and it. I mean, that's a. I I hate to say it because I was such a pessimist about him last year. <laughs> <laughs> it goes to credit Dana Holgerson. Yeah, and you know the thing that I'll say right is like Clayton Toon is one of the most. I don't want to say inexperienced. It's not the right word, but mm-hmm. he he's had one of the most bizarre rides to being a junior that I've ever seen in my life, right? Because mm-hmm. he's really just not supposed to play at any point, and he has to start both of the last two years for a little bit, kind of thrown into action. And right. you know, and, and the thing was right, like I, I think actually the only way I know how to compare it is kind of like you know, it felt like Max Duggan last year, both of those years, right? Where it's just like. Sure, oh sure. man, he shouldn't be playing as yet. Like you see the tools there, but like he just mm-hmm. should not be playing football as yet. Right? He's he's like he's the quarterback who needs like, and I guess you kind of saw it with what they were trying to do. It was like he's the guy who needs a Derek King there for a year. Right, right, right. He's the guy like him and Duggan were the guys that needed that senior quarterback for a year, and then they come in and it's like okay, now they look kind of polished. They get a full spring under their belt instead of just being thrown to the fire. Right, right. And, and like, honestly, uh, even though I thought that he looked really good, like, you still see so many of those little things in his game where it's like, okay, once he cleans that up, he's going to be even better, yeah. right? Once once his footwork sure. gets a little better, right? Because that's, that's one of the big issues that I've kind of seen with him is, you know, his footwork's a little inconsistent because he thinks he can get it done with his mm-hmm. arm. But, like, that's fixable, right? That's extremely fixable. Mm-hmm. That's something that, you know, they can maybe even go to practice this week and talk about. And... Um, no, I mean, and I think that he's going to be one of the big beneficiaries of getting that year back, right? Like of, of not having this year mm-hmm. count against his eligibility because he got to go through a whole camp. He's going to get some starting experience and, and then he's going to get a whole nother chance to kind of develop until next year. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think that, uh, I was a little bit of a Clayton Toon skeptic. Definitely. Uh, I mean, I remember, you know, I saw him live against North Texas last year and it just seemed like he was his deal was like that he was going to run for his life and see what happened, right? And yeah. and this year, he looked like a pocket quarterback, which is something that I wasn't sure that he'd ever become uh, at a high level, and, and mm-hmm. he has. So, yeah, I just think, I mean, you look at Houston right now, I, I don't think that they have a whole lot of weaknesses. Now, their offensive line, I think it was good, not great. Um, you know, and, and so we'll have to see. We'll have to see whether that kind of steps up. I mean, it was it was week one. I don't for them. I, I don't want to overreact to anything. But um, mm-hmm. but, you know, yeah, I think that I think that right now you look at every phase of their roster. I, I think that they look really good right now. I don't think this is a team that at this moment looks like it has any weaknesses. Sure. No, I, I, I kind of agree. And then you 
again, I got to go back to the strategy last year of Holgerson basically <laughs> yeah. saying, you know what, let's punt and develop these guys. It's almost like a, it's almost, I mean, the NCAA kind of made this, this decision for this team, but it's almost like an SFA. Right. Where right. it's like, we're going to just play these, we're, we're basically going to punt this year, or in their case, the spring, right? They're not playing the spring. And so punt the spring and just play these games in the fall. And then just take our take our ball and go and back to the next fall. Definitely. And hopefully we have more seasoned guys next year. And that's what that's essentially what Holgerson did last year, obviously without the 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 backing of the NCAA granting eligibility. But he just said, you know what, let's register these guys. Who cares? This season we're not good enough to win anything anyway. Let's throw Tune out there, let's throw these other guys out there, see what we have, and then we'll roll to this season. And they look a year better. Right. No, no question. No question. So Great stuff we've seen from Houston. Still at number one, though, the SMU Mustangs. They had a bye this week. They play Tulane this week. Uh, obviously, they did nothing to to ruin themselves this past week, so still number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, this – I don't know. This top group is going to be kind of interesting because, like, right now we got two AAC teams right at the top there. We got A&M now who all of a sudden looks dangerous, and there's a pretty big gap after that. So yeah. it's, it's going to be a weird year, I think, and – Look, I thought that one of the fun things about this year is that because of all this weirdness that maybe we'd get a weird season. We've already seen that, right? Like, Kansas State Mm -hmm. might be the best team in the Big 12, right? (laughs) Like, I mean, (laughs) we we are having this weird year. And, uh, and, you know, SMU and and Houston might be the best teams in Texas. Who knows? You know, if, uh, if Houston can beat BYU next week, we could have three ranked teams in the state of Texas and two of them could be from the American. So... This is going to be a fun year. I mean, I mean, we're obvi- we're obviously already into it, but like, I don't know. This is, this has been a fun one already. It's wild. Yeah, yeah. No, and and I mean, even just seeing some of the obviously Alabama and Clemson are the two teams that are kind of outside of this, but it's like, hey, sure, Arkansas's causing everybody trouble. Hey, you know, maybe LSU isn't very good this year, right? Like, this is mm-hmm. this is weird stuff, and it's kind of fun to see just things change. For sure. Anyway. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, you can find all of our work at textfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell Sex Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. For Ishmael Johnson, I'm Shahan Jayaraja. Uh, real quick, Ish, when are we releasing the basketball cover? Uh, we are releasing it this week. Th- this week? Um, that was kind of why I was only half paying attention to, to Houston Tulane, especially when they went down, um, just because I was doing a lot of last-minute stuff. But yeah, we will be revealing it this awesome, week. Awesome, awesome. Well, for people who don't know, uh, if you listen to this program, you probably know, but Ish is the managing editor of our basketball magazine. Uh, it's going to be coming out in the next couple of weeks. We're releasing the cover this week, and uh, trust me, it's a really cool cover. It's, it's one of my favorite covers that I think that we've done during my t- time at Dave Campbell's. So... For Ishmael Johnson, I'm Shahan Jayaraja. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back with you guys again next week.